felt a little pressure and sent a message and I think it's I think tonight will be encouraging and some of you guys are uh, curious about what we're gonna be looking at tonight um, I want to ask this question here uh, I think it's a question that you would you would say well it's easy to answer and I think it is um, but I think really my desire tonight is that is that this question would have a real deep effect upon our lives. And the question is this. Is Jesus Christ the only way to salvation? Is Jesus Christ the only means by which we could have eternal life? Yes, amen. That's right. See, not a hard question to answer, right? For, it's not a trick question, sister. No. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> do we, do we ask, ask a lot of trick questions here? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there was a season of, of, of weird questions, but this one's not, brethren. It's not. Is Jesus Christ the only way to have forgiveness of sins? And, and, and if we're going to ask that question... There's a couple other questions that have to be asked. And, and, and it is this. Is the work of Christ in His substitutionary death and resurrection necessary and effective for salvation? We're going to look at that question. And if that is true, if yes, then is it necessary then for people to hear of Christ through the Gospel and believe in His name in order for them to be saved. So, so the question, we can bring it into two questions. Is the work of Christ in His death and resurrection necessary? Is that the means by which someone needs to be saved? And then if that's true, okay, then do they need to hear about that? Okay, so you kind of see where I'm going with this. And I, I, I bring this up for a few different reasons. Um... I have been reading, uh, I think I told some of you guys this, I've been reading back through uh, John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Um, it's, a, it's a book about missions and, and a biblical theology of, of, of missions and, 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 and God's plan for the nations. And, and he deals with this in there. It, it, it's a book that I had first read as a, as a new Christian. Um, and it's a really encouraging book. And uh, so I, I read the chapter on this uh, maybe two and a half weeks ago or so. So I've been thinking about this again. Um, so that's one reason why it kind of came up just for me thinking about it. And another reason uh, that it came up is um, I've had conversations about this recently. Um, I've actually talked with, and I'm not going to say who, but I've talked with some of your family members about this recently. Um, th this, th this question has come up. Uh, people in Sierra and my family believe the opposite of this. Um, I've heard things like this. All religions are the same. If people do good, then they'll be saved. I've heard this recently. I've heard that Jesus will reach people even if they don't hear about Him. I mean, like He'll save people. 
I've heard, I've heard something like this as well uh, about two weeks ago. People all worship Jesus in essence. They just don't know it. So kind of like, you know, ignorant worship. Uh, they worship a statue. They may worship this false god who I say is a false god and who the Bible would present as a false god. But behind that idol is the true god. I've heard things like this. I've heard things like, if people don't hear the gospel, well, isn't there grace for them in order for them to be saved? I mean, isn't God a gracious God? Uh, I've heard things like this recently. And particularly in that last reference, talking about unreached peoples, right? Peoples up in the mountains of Nepal or peoples like Dave... Uh, down there in the jungles of Indonesia. If these people don't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, well, isn't, isn't there grace for them? And if these questions are true, if the work of Christ is absolutely necessary, and if people need to hear of Christ, then in order for them to be saved... Then, brethren, the, the, the implications for us are, are, are really monumental. Um, if these things are true, then we have, to, we have to conclude a couple of things, right? We'd have to conclude that if, if someone needs to hear the gospel in order to be saved, then the man or the woman living in any other country, worshiping their idols who don't hear of Christ... When they die, what happens to them? Brethren, they perish. They perish. And, you know, I, I was going to also, and maybe I, I will do this at a, a later time, um, thinking more about hell and the reality of hell. We don't think about people perishing a lot. We don't think about hell very often. Why do you think that is? We're not going there, okay. What's that? Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a weighty topic, right? And go ahead. The example that you just gave people that have not heard, when they die you say they perish. Yeah, they're okay, so they perish. Does that mean, which I think it is, but does that mean they go to hell? Correct, as the hell that correct, the one that you know of, the eternal the conscious torment okay. Okay. in the lake of fire, so they go to, hell. to outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That place, yes, that's that's what that's what we're talking about here. Um. And so, the in go ahead. And I'm not even saying that necessarily it's wrong, but I notice it just because of what Luis has asked you. Is it some of the other ways of referencing hell? Okay, sure. That, like when you say they perish, we know what that means in terminology. It's almost kind of like, although it's not, of course, it's not the same. But it's like when the world says abortion instead of baby murder. Yeah. 
like, oh, you can... Yeah, to pacify hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we're not necessarily intending to pacify hell, but when we say they perish, we are in some way pacifying Sure. Yeah, because I needed to get confirmation. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the Bible speaks of that and all. I'm not doing that in any way to downplay its significance, but it's just a different verbiage that we use that it's sort of, I don't know. Less graphic? It's out of mind. Yeah. Sure. Every time we spoke about hell, we said what you just said. The place where the fire is not quenched, the worm does not die. People are tormented for all eternity. Like that, you know? Like when we tell people, what do you mean when you say abortion? Do you mean to kill your baby? Yeah. And they're like, well, I don't want to say that. Well, that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say the place where people are tormented forever, the worm doesn't die, and the fire is not quenched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I guess, yeah, the, my, my point is, you know, we, even the way we speak about it just... Uh, shows that we just don't really grasp the weight. Um, but I didn't include that in here. Um, but that's something that I've also been thinking about um, how, this, how this relates to this. But if people, if people don't hear the gospel, what that means is that people in false religions, right, like in Mormonism, all over this valley, even among some of our family members, uh, people in Buddhism, people in Hinduism, people that are Muslims, they die thinking they're okay and they're not. Our unsaved Catholic neighbor is thinking they're okay and they're not, right? Um, and so, and so if these things are true and they are, we're going to look at some passages. We got to ask the question then, right? And that's what. I've been trying to just really think about this more in the last couple of weeks. How then shall we live, right? I mean, that's the question. I mean, if these things are true, how, this, ought, this, ought to, this ought to really affect the way we live and think. It ought to def- affect our decision-making. It ought to stir something, us, stir something us, uh, up in us, right? Um, it, I mean, it, it really ought to give us a, a sense of urgency, Right? Urgency, not passivity. Brethren, it's so easy, because I feel this in my own heart. It's so easy to be passive. It's so easy to just be indifferent at times. And you go through seasons of this in life. And we got to fight against that. We got to fight against indifference, right? We just got to fight against it because it grips the heart. I mean, this ought to give us zeal, it ought to give us compassion. I mean, brethren, if, if nothing else tonight, what, what I've been praying that it would stir up in us is, is compassion for people. I mean, we need that. We, we, we need that because that's, that, that's how Christ lived. Christ knew of, of, of the reality of judgment. He knew of the reality of what He came to do in His person and work. He, and it stirred up in Him a love for people. And I, we need that. I mean, we do. We need a deeper love for people. We need a resolve. We got to, you know, we, we, we need to, 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 to be resolved and say, Lord, if these things be true, then we got to, I, I, I need to change some of the way I'm living to some degree. And everyone's going to have to deal with that differently. I mean, we got to 
We've got to think about these things. Even just how we pray. Talking about, you know, Nick's been, uh, you know, going through study on prayer. I mean, brethren, I, what, what can stir up our heart more than, Lord, I mean, these people got to hear the gospel. We've got to do something about it, right? Lord, help us. Lord, give us your spirit more. Lord, empower us. Lord, equip us. Lord, open up a door for us. I mean, not to stir up prayer in us, more of that. Um, and so, you know, we'd start thinking about all these implications of these things, if these things are true. And brethren, I, I, I do, I want it to stir up in us uh, a, a burden in evangelism, because we need that. We need to be stirred up in our evangelism, brethren, and not just outreach. I'm talking the day-to-day, -day, the ins and outs of life. I mean, we got to be stirred up in this. Right? I mean, that's just, a, I think, I don't think anyone in here will say, I got that all figured out. Oh, no, not at all. Brother, we need to be stirred up. We need to be stirred up here. And, 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 and I wanted to do that. I wanted to, 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 to stir up a missionary passion in our church. Because if these things are true, and you go on the internet, and it doesn't take a lot of typing to say, how many people don't have this gospel? A lot of people all over the place. It, it ought to stir us up to that end. Uh, to say, Lord, open up doors for us. Not to stir up prayer. I, you know, I was thinking of Hudson Taylor. You guys heard of Hudson Taylor? Okay, uh, missionary to China. And, um, you know, he was, he was the first one to, to, to take uh, in the last couple hundred years, not, not, not the first ever, but um, in, the, in, in, in the 1800s there, to take the gospel into in, inward inland China. Um, and the gospel had gone to the coastal cities, and he brought the gospel to the coastal cities there. And uh, after six years of his family laboring out there, he, he gets really sick, and he's got to come back home to England. And that's what you did when you got sick, right? I mean, now we have medicine for that, but when you got sick in, in those days, you had to go get on a boat and hope you, and go recover somewhere, right? And, um, you know, they, they, they had done work in the coastal cities, uh, Shanghai and some other ones, and... Uh, and he's there in England, and you can read this in his autobiography, but um, praise the Lord, six inches, brother, praise the Lord, that could have been bad. Um, but you read, you read in his autobiography how he's, he's in England and uh, recovering, and he's struggling with, you know, whether to go back or not, and, you know, he really has a burden to, to bring the gospel deeper into China, and, and, and he writes in his autobiography um, he goes to church on a Sunday morning, um, and, and he writes in there that he can't bear the sight of seeing a thousand or more Christians worshiping in their comfort while there's a million or more souls perishing every month in China for lack of knowledge. He just couldn't take it. It just, brethren, there was something that burned in his soul that People are perishing, and they haven't even heard the gospel. Like, that's not okay. And brethren, wh whether it's, you know, someone goes to the mission field or not, as Christians, like, we can't be okay with that. We just can't be, in, see what I mean about in, we, we can't be indifferent about that. We just can't. And I'm going to tell you something that I did today, and it was, it was, it was weird. It was... It was so big that I, I, 
I just sat in front of my computer and stared at my computer for about 10 minutes, brother. And you go online, and you, you know, online has a lot of interesting resources. <laughs> and I just Googled, you know, how many people are dying um, a day in India? How many people are dying a day in America? How many people are dying a day in Bangladesh, in Nepal, in Pakistan, in China? And there's, um, there's these websites. It's, it's called the World Population Clock. And I don't know if they're accurate or not or whatever. It's, it's done by the United Nations. And um, you go on there and there's a bunch of numbers. Birth, population, death. You know, all these different categories. And the numbers are moving. And the numbers are flipping, Louise. And how many people died today? How many people were born today? Um, and it's live. And I'm, I'm sitting there watching this thing. And, you know, you look at India. And, you know, big, big country, 1.3 billion people. Twenty-nine thousand people dead today, and I'm watching the number. Just click, 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 click. And I'm just staring at this number of people dying, and the one people are, are being born is clicking too. You know, fifty thousand births today, or whatever it is. And it's just the number is just ticking, and I'm sitting here looking at my notes, and I'm just thinking, what is going on? You know, you look up America. 8,000 people have died today. Click. It's a little slower. Click. Bangladesh. Nepal. Sorry, you just start Googling all these countries. And it's just like, these people are going to hell. Maybe some of them are, are, are Christians, but they're perishing. And I'm just, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there, brethren, and I'm thinking, Lord, just help me to see and to grasp truth. Um, and give me a compassion for people. And I was looking at that. The world population clock. You can look at it. Look up any country. Uh, very, very weighty, brethren. Very, very weighty for us. And, and I know that's kind of heavy. And it should be. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, but I want it also to not put you in a state of, of, of depression because you know what, brother, we know this. Christ is building His church, and He's doing it through the proclamation of men and women like, like, like me and you. He's, that's what He's doing in the world. And He's given us His Spirit to do that. Um, and that's also really encouraging that He uses insignificant and weak people like us to bring His name glory. And you're here because someone told you the gospel. Right? I mean, or you heard about it somewhere. Radio, TV, reading the Bible. You had access to something. Someone gave you a track through your family members, through a friend, through whatever. And, and that's encouraging for us. So, so I want to I look at that tonight. Um, just answering. And listen, the Bible has a lot to say about this topic. A lot. Uh, but I don't have that many verses. Um, and this is not going to be that in-depth, brethren, because I, I just, I don't think it really needs to be. But I want you to see some of these things. So I want you to first, let's, let, let's open up to Romans chapter 5. 
I wanna, I wanna look at the, I wanna look at something here just in terms of the death of Christ, the necessity of the death and resurrection of Christ. And, and, and what I wanna show you is, first of all, how universal the work of Christ is and how universal uh, sin is. So, so someone read for us Romans 5, 17 to 19. Mm. Romans 5. And I might, and there's, I might just call on some of you too to read. So, all right. Okay, Lydia. So if I call on you sometime, you just, I, for, I, I forewarned you, okay? <laughs> 17 through 19. Okay. Uh, for if, oh. because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will the, that one man, okay, hold on here. I'll, ex I'll explain it. You just read it. The abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. 1819. Yep. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as, by, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Okay, listen. Amen. Thank you, sister. Brethren, there is a universal problem in this world. And what's the problem? Sin. What would you say? Condemnation. Sin. Death, okay? That is a universal problem, okay? And we're having uh, two, two, two men are being compared here. Who are the two men? Adam, Adam and, and, and Jesus Christ, okay? Every religion in the world has to deal with the problem of sin. They all do, brethren. Sin is universal. Adam sinned and plunged humanity as the head of humanity into condemnation and sin, that's a problem. It is the problem. Also with that, brethren, is the solution. is a universal solution. As in uh, one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous, brethren. So, 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 so the answer to, to sin... Is not just, and, and I'm going to talk about this. I'm just going to say it here. There are, and you've maybe heard this before, okay? Well, Jesus is good for, you know, uh, 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 the Christians. And, you know, we have Buddha is good for the Buddhists. And, you know, you have Allah for the Muslims. And, you know, uh, this God for this people. And this God for that people. And that God for this people. Brother, we got to see something right here, okay? We have a universal problem of sin. Christ is the universal answer to the problem. Through His obedience, the many were made righteous. Okay? So, that's just what I want you to see here. He is the answer to the plight of humanity. Adam, and everyone in Adam, and then you have Christ. 
and everyone in Christ. Okay? Jesus Christ is not just uh, a local deity. He's not. Because Hindus will do this. They will tack on and, and they will tack on Jesus as just another God to the pantheon of gods that they worship. Okay, just so, so that all their bases are covered. He's not just a tack on. Okay, he is the solution. Okay, go to go to First Corinthians fifteen. Same idea o, over here as well. And then also in uh, well, I'll just mention it when we get here. So, same idea, very similar passage here. 1 Corinthians 15, 21-23. Actually, uh, start in, just tw yeah, in 20. 20? Yep, 20-23. to 23. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Okay, what happens to all those that are in Adam? Death, right? Okay, death. Death is a universal problem. Brother, death is not natural. You ever thought about that? Sin brought death into the world. Okay? Death is an enemy, right? The Bible talks about that. Yeah. Death is an enemy of ours, and the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. Okay? Sin brings death into the world. Is everybody dying all over the world? Yes, right? What is the solution to that, brethren? Who brings life? Christ. And how does he bring life? Through what? What does it say there? 21. By one man came death, and by a man has come also what? The resurrection from the dead. Brethren, Christ has conquered death through resurrection. So the problem of sin and the problem of death is universal. And what all I'm trying to show you here is that the answer to those two things are Christ, who brings life, who conquers uh, 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 the grave. All, it is a universal on both sides. Okay, Through one man comes death. Through one man comes life. Life for all. The Bible does not present ever anywhere all roads will lead to God. That, 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 the Bible presents Christ as the answer, the solution to the problem of sin and death. The only one. It is of Christ. And in Christ, when we believe upon Christ, brethren, we have the hope of resurrection unto life. That's the solution for us. That's, that's, that's what I want you to see there. Do you guys see that? Okay. Adam and Christ. Those that are in Adam die and come through death. But those that are in Christ shall all be made alive. Life, brethren, He is the solution to the plight of humanity. And that, if you just sit back and think about it, that has big implications for us. Right? If He, if he is the answer to the plight of sin and death, then people, gotta, people have to know that. 
right? People have to know that. And that's simple, right? That's not profound. That's not, that's not, a, that's not hard to understand. Let me show you another passage here. Go, go, go back to Romans. Romans 3. Kind of along the same lines here. Romans 3, and someone could read 21 through, uh, you can just read the whole section there, the whole paragraph, uh, to, to 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. He was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Okay, so again, we have this idea that all have sinned. So again, sin being universal. Okay, All people have sinned. Um, and as Romans 1 talks about, not, not giving thanks to God. Okay? People have not worshipped the true God. They have worshipped all hosts of other things, have not honored Him as God. Um, and then, what is the solution to that? How, how are men and women, women made righteous? How are they justified? How, how, how does that happen? What does the text say? By His grace, yes, as a gift through what? Through the redemption that is found in Christ. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then what, okay, and then what does it say about Christ Jesus? Next verse. Yeah. Yeah, so God put Him forward. Again, you have a universal problem of sin. And what is God's solution to the universal problem of sin? He puts forth His own Son as a means of redemption. As an atoning sacrifice. As a propitiatory sacrifice. by His blood, to be received by faith. So there it is again. So how do you get that blood applied to you? you got to believe. Right? you got to believe in the sacrifice that God has given to the world. I'm going to go into some other verses here in a minute. Over and over and over. He doesn't, I mean, yes, He only died once, but He gives us and everybody the chance over and over and over again. Sure, if if you hear it, right? So right, so so, but but you're right. Yes, you're presented. One act. 
Correct. Yeah, you're presented with this Christ. Here is the means by which you could be saved. You have sinned. You deserve judgment. But here's Christ. And Christ is put forward. Christ, the, the eternal Son of God, comes and He takes on human flesh. And He goes to the cross. God puts Him forward as an atoning sacrifice for sins. That we could be forgiven. That we can be redeemed. But it's got to come by faith. You've got to believe in that. Right? You've got to believe. That's my only hope. Right? Cor correct, right? To be received by faith. You tuck that in the back of your mind for later. But He's the means, right? That, that's what I want you to just to see here. And you know, I was, uh, I was told in a seminary class one time that this is, this is the most important passage in the Bible. It needs to be memorized. And I think it's actually, it, 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 it very well might be one of the most important passages in the Scriptures. I mean, brethren, you, you are not made righteous by God in any other means but through the sacrifice of Christ by faith. That's it. We are not made righteous in any other way. None. That's it. <laughs> that, that's it. We're not made righteous in any other way through any other means but by faith in the one God put forward. So I want you to see that. This whole idea of universal. Sin's universal. The answer is universal. It's not just a... This is, God doesn't just put Christ forward just for Israel. You see that? You understand that? It's not just for Israel. It's for the world. And we're going to see more of these in a second. Look, look at 1 Timothy 2. You know, sometimes theologians call all of this the exclusivity of Christ. Um, that Christ is, is the exclusive one. Um, and so you could read about this probably in a systematic theology, I'm sure, that, that's, that's in there. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, Lydia, why don't you go ahead and read for us, verse 5 and 6. Okay, this is a very simple passage, but again, if we're gonna if we're gonna understand this properly, it has profound implications, right? Madeline, how many mediators are there between God and man? What the text say? One. Jessica, how many mediators are there between God and man? One. Louise. I was going to ask you how many persons were in the Godhead, but all right. No. <laughs> uh, never mind, it's okay. One mediator. What does that mean? What does that mean? If there's one mediator between God and man... Yep. There's only one mediator. You know, it's, uh, I was thinking about... You know, and you probably know exactly where I'm going with this. Um, we were talking with uh, a lady at the abortion clinic, um, a Catholic there, very staunch Roman Catholic. I think 
she, you know, she knew what she believed for the most part. And uh, <laughs> we talked about this for a while with her. A simple verse, brethren. One mediator between God and man. And who is it? Lydia. The man Christ Jesus. Not Mary and the saints. That was her big hang-up. Mary and the saints. Mary. No. One mediator. Jesus Christ. No, Mary. No, no, no. What's, what, what does the text say? One mediator. Christ. No, no, no. Mary. No, no, no. Read the text again. <laughs> she wasn't saying Joseph? Joseph in there? Nope. Not Joseph. He's big in Quebec, too. Oh, in Quebec? Oh, well. He ain't the mediator either. One mediator, brethren. Not Joseph Smith. Not Muhammad. Not any of the gods in Hinduism. Not Buddha or anybody else, brethren. One mediator between God and man, and it's Christ. Now, what does a mediator mean? What does that mean? Yeah, go between. That's exactly what it means. So how, how does Christ, how, how is Christ our mediator? He goes between. What does that look like? What do you got? Let's get some. Yes, how does he do that? What does the text say? What's it say in verse 6? Yes, right? Now, in the English language, um, being a mediator can be a little... Uh, you, we can get the idea kind of wrong here, right? Because sometimes we can think of mediator as, okay, we had two parties in a disagreement, right? There's some tension here. And I'm going to come in, I'm going to be a mediator. So I'm going to tell you to compromise a little bit. And I'm going to tell you to compromise a little bit. We're going to meet in the middle. Sometimes, you know, right? We can kind of get that idea sometimes of a mediator. That, that's not how it is with God. We come to God on God's terms. Okay? And like you said, Christ brings us to the Father. He mediates for us. There's no, there's no compromising here. We come on, on, on God's terms. But we can come and we can be reconciled to God by God Himself. Right? Jesus. Jesus has to mediate between man and God because He's God and He's man. You see that? Okay? This is why the incarnation is really important. He becomes a man to mediate for man and He's God so He can mediate because He's God. So He brings us to Himself, to God, through, through His sacrifice, brethren, through Him laying down His life. That's how we come to God. There's one mediator. Now, if this is true, and it is, again, this is profound. Because when we're talking to people out on the streets, or when we are in another country and we're proclaiming Christ, we got to point people, He is the, he's, he, that's it. He's the one. And you have no other way to God. You have none. You have sinned, and like Kelsey said, you have sinned before a holy God. And there's a mediator. There is one. And praise God for one, right? What if there wasn't one? We'd be doomed. Exactly. We'd be damned. But there is a mediator. There's a redeemer. It's a great song. Love that song. It's true. There's a redeemer. There's a mediator who comes in and, and could bring us to God. 
and there's only one, brethren. Th this... It's simple. Is that hard to understand? No. But if it's true, then every... I just got the map right here. You just think of a map. And how many people are trying to get to God through a different mediator? Through a different means. And they will never do it. Because there's only one mediator. If they don't come in through Christ, they're not coming through at all. That's profound. <laughs> Look at John chapter 1, verse 9. I maybe should have put these earlier, but it's okay. John chapter 1, verse 9. This kind of goes again into the, the global scope of Christ. What does John 1 9 say? The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Okay, Christ is the true light. And who does he give light to? Just the Jews? Just the Romans? No. He's coming into the world, giving light to everyone. Right? The true light has come into the world, and this light is for the world. Right? And we're going to see some other passages later that speak about this light coming into the world. It's for the world. It's not just a local thing for Jews or a local thing for Christians. Well, you Christians have your light, and, and we have our enlightenment over here. No, 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 no. The true light comes into the world and gives light to, to everybody, into the world. Here comes the light. Look at John 1.29. Sergio, you read this. You heard a good study on this verse recently in Espanol. Uh, John 1, 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now this again talks about the scope of the work of Christ. The work of Christ is for who? It's for the world. It's for the world. Again, as the means. The one put forward. To do what? To take away sin. Right? There's, the, there's that problem again. Sin. Universal. Here comes this lamb. The lamb of God. One sacrifice once for all. You did teach on this the other, the other week in Spanish Bible study, right? Uh, a couple months ago. Okay. That's profound. Here's the sacrifice <laughs> to take away sin. Remember, I, I, I talked about this in the sermon for just a brief minute, but how all people try to take away sin. You got to go down to the Ganges River trying to splash yourself clean. It's terrible. It's sad. But here's Christ. And John says, behold, there he is. He's coming to, come to take away the sin of the world. Not just the sin of the Jews, of the world. The cosmos, the universe, all the people, brethren. Everybody. So just looking at just some of these few verses here, 
what, what can we conclude? What, what do all these verses teach? A bunch of different things. What did we just talk about? Okay, right, good. One mediator. Okay, there's one way to come to God. Okay, what else? What else can we conclude? Yes, okay. And if everyone's under condemnation, what does the Bible teach about Christ? He's the answer to it, right? He's the one. He's the one who's come. He's the one who's put forward. Good, yes, what else? Maybe just some things maybe you even just thought about. Something that you didn't think about before. Or maybe you thought of another passage. What, what do you guys got here? Yes, exactly. What does Satan come in and do? He, he, he masks himself as, a, as what? An angel of light. False light in the world, absolutely. That's a good point. Because people think they have light, right? They think that it's, right? They think they have light, but they're not. They're actually in bondage. They're actually, and we're going to look at this in a little bit, but yeah, they're, they're, they're under the power of Satan. What else? Or any just encouraging thoughts or things that you thought, hmm, interesting? Like one thing that I'm thinking is when you get earthly good news, okay, you're expecting your first child. What's your instinct? To go tell everyone. Sure. You're happy, it's the good news. Yep. You want, you can't hold it in. Just use whatever example. Yeah. You something really good happens to you, you, you get a, a clean bill of health, whatever. You, yeah. you want to share it with the world. Yep. Oh. Sure. It's the same thing with Jesus and, and God. Yes. The instinct to want to, to go and share it with others, the instinct to want to save. Someone's drowning... Your instinct is to go give them a hand. Sure. Do other religions do that? I know that Christians, for me anyways, or, or you know, it, it's an instinct. Go and tell someone. Sure. You don't want to keep this yeah. big news. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you right. I don't. I don't see any. Any Hindus knocking at my door? Yes, there's Mormons. Well, sure, because we don't have a lot of Hindus here, but you definitely have the Mormons are out. The 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 Jehovah Witnesses are out there too, right? Yeah. Uh, so they yeah they do that most certainly. But we uh, or Canadian no, Americans no go to, to to Asia to India to preach about Christ. Oh, sure, yeah, do Hindus come here to, like, preach? A, sure. Why is that? Uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure, actually. Um, I don't know. Uh, I know we, I, I do know that we do have Buddhists in our, com in our community here, um, up and down St. Louis. You'll see them around here. Um, there's another Buddhist little place, uh, a little bit more down Sahara. Um, but why... Come knocking on our doors, I have no idea. I don't know. I've never, ever once been told about Mormonism from any of my Mormon friends, and they probably have a reason for that. 
Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm saying no Mormon's ever told me about Mormonism ever and that I should convert to Mormonism. Um, but in their theology, I'm okay anyway. I just won't attain to, the, to their realm of... Anyways, I don't need to go into that. But. They're, I, I'm not going to go to hell. Neither are you. Oh, in their, in their Correct. Yes, we just won't. Yeah, we. As far as I, as far as I understand, maybe you can. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's like. What's that? Yeah. So they. Yeah. There's. There's different levels of what they can attain, and I'm gonna be. I mean, this is what one. Because I did ask a friend why he never told me about anything, and he said, "Cause I'm. I'm not gonna go to hell. I'm okay. I'll, I'll just be on the lower range of of heaven." On the earth, and and they're gonna they're gonna attain a little higher, but anyways, yeah, Louise. But I think going back to what you said, it ought to be natural. They have a good news. Yeah. Sure. Why aren't they? I don't know. Maybe they. Sure. Maybe maybe they do. Maybe they are. I don't know. You know. Um, but but what you're saying is right. We ought to we ought to say like yeah that that should be something that is we should be encouraged about and excited about. Um, and that comes to greater and lesser degrees in the Christian life, right? Um, and, I, and, you know, part of this is I'm just trying to stir this up in us to see, okay, if Christ is, He's the answer. That's what I'm trying to answer, right, in this first part. He's the answer. We have a problem. He's the, His cross, His death, His resurrection is the solution. He is the mediator. No other way. Okay? So now, that's true. So the next question here is, do people need to hear of this gospel? Do they need to hear of this Christ in order to be saved? Or, or, because most Christians will believe in this first part, and then there's disagreement here. Um, or does the work of Christ cover everybody, whether they hear or not? Okay. Do you have to hear and believe in Christ, in the name of Christ, in order to be saved? Or does the sacrifice of Christ cover the guy in uh, Indonesia in the village that Dave and Tigra want to go to, and he's good because Jesus died on the cross? Okay, so we got we we gotta we gotta think about that now. Does someone need to actually hear this message and of this Christ? And believe in order to be saved. Now, I want to ask. I want. I want to show you something here. I want to show you because if that's true, and someone can, the guy in Indonesia or whatever, can be saved apart from hearing of Christ. If that's true, then we would think then the nations are okay, right? They're okay because they're going to make it. Yeah, they're worshiping the, this, you know, their, their uh, ancestral spirits, but they're going to be okay. They'll find their way to God, right? If that's true. But. Yeah, how so? What do you, like, wait, what do you say? Well, if they're all going to, if all the people that David is supposed to go to are already going to heaven, why would you move those people? Leave them alone. Then now you tell them, then they don't believe. Now they're all going to hell. Exactly. Well, do they you hold on a second. Do you catch that reasoning? But the, but the point is, if it's yeah. true that they're all going to heaven anyway. Says who? 
Yes. I, I'm just saying people oh, people they, reason this way. Emerged. Yes. Okay. If they're all going to be with Christ anyway, mm-hmm. why would you even go there? Because right. you actually make it worse. Now you go there, you tell them about the Christ, and a lot of them reject him. So now a bunch of people that were going to be with him in eternity forever are now going to hell because they yeah. rejected him. Got it. So, okay. yeah, not only are they okay, they're actually... Better. Right. You should tell nobody. Yeah. Ever. Correct. In that scenario. In that scenario. Okay. Now, what I want to look at, what does the Bible tell us about the nations after in the New Testament, okay, after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ? Are the nations in a good condition, in a good state? That go ahead. Just a question. I know you weren't gonna list off all the people. I mean, do you know any people that are genuine Christians that actually believe that people who worship other gods or another whatever are actually gonna be saved? I don't know any Christians that say I don't know if they're genuine Christians, but they claim to be evangelical. Piper talks about them in his book. I don't know if they're... Gen- uh, well, okay, so... I guess I'm asking you, anybody you okay. actually know that, that, that yes. is a Christian, yes. that you're saying yes. they say yes. people in those other... Yes. There are people that believe that? Well, I know there are people that believe that. I'm asking him. Like I said in the beginning, the reason why I'm talking about this is because this exact... This, this point right here has come up in our family. But I'm confused when you, if you, if you ask them, well, then why would anybody go tell them if they're already going to heaven? What do they say? I don't know. There's grace. Well, what does that mean? There's grace. Brother, listen. I'm just telling you, okay? That's okay. That's 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 just what I'm telling you. I I understand what you're saying. So when they say those people are. They worship a different God, but they're going to go to heaven. They're saying that? Like they have that, they believe mm-hmm. that? Okay. So. Yes? You would agree? Okay. So, and, and these are Christians people that you themselves. genuinely think are Christians? I Not ge- just like they say they're a Christian. No, I genuinely think they're okay. a Christian. Now, when you say to them, why would anybody go tell them anything then? Because it would literally just condemn them. Or did that not come up? That didn't come up. Oh, okay. Continue. Okay. <laughs> I'm just wondering what you would actually answer that because sure. Because honestly, that if you is, ask that question. Yep. Like what? If why would you ever tell anybody anything about the gospel? Because if grace covers would, them, you would yeah. never you would never save them because even if they've never heard, they're already saved. Uh, so yes. You would never save somebody. You would only condemn people. I'm just wondering. What yeah. You would save That's them. a great question. If this comes up again, I will be sure to ask. So I want to look at here, are the nations okay? Because the Bible would present that. If they're okay and the blood of Christ covers them, then go to Acts 26. Go to Acts 26. Well, here's a, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's that? What's that called when you ruin a movie? 
Yeah, here's a spoiler. Yeah, that, that, this is that, that's not true. So, Acts 26. This is Paul, and Paul is uh, on trial here, and he's giving his defense. He's talking about his conversion. Um, I want someone to read um, 14 to 18. He's he he's recalling uh, when when the Lord saved him. Okay, so Christ commissions Paul to be a servant and a witness to the Gentiles. And he has to and he's gonna go and he's gonna bring the gospel. What does what do these verses say about the nations that are without the gospel? What does it what does it say there in uh, verse eighteen and I guess just all of of eighteen? What did you say, Kelsey? Did you say something? Okay, they're in darkness. They're under the power of Satan. They're blind. Yes. They're in bondage to Satan. What else? They remain unforgiven. They are without forgiveness. Good. What else? One more. Well, I guess it would be you just. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, they're not sanctified, right? They're unholy. They're unacceptable to God, right? So, brethren, this is what the Bible teaches about the nations after the death of Christ. They're not okay. You see that? People are not okay. People are not doing fine. People are not going to be just accepted by God one day just because. Brethren, they're in darkness. They're in bondage. They have no forgiveness of sins. Just like now, exactly. They are unholy, unacceptable to God. That's, that's the plight, brethren, of the entire world without Christ. And what does God do to remedy that? What is he what is he what is he doing? Right here, right right in the Yeah, no, go ahead. Sends He sends someone. Right? Well, yeah, he sends his son, yes, but then he sends who? Jesus. Yes, and then after well, Jesus is gone. Now who's he sending? Oh, the mission. People. Oh, yeah. Right? Christians. Yeah. So that, right, Paul, I'm, I've appointed you for this purpose. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. 
to open their eyes, that they would turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that for the purpose of they may receive forgiveness of sins. Got to contemplate this, brethren. The nations without the gospel, blind and darkness and bondage, no forgiveness, unacceptable to God. Correct. And I think that it's kind of scary to think that you that I or we may need to approach people and say, wake up, I'm trying to prevent you from going to hell. Correct. You know, I exactly. want you to come and glorify. But again, God. right, but people are blind, right? And what's going to open up their eyes to the truth? Christ, right? The Spirit of God. Well, sure, we've talked about that. People are dead in sin, okay? But God makes people alive. He opens up their eyes through the proclamation of the gospel, right? Yeah. And you got to think about, about this too, Louise, is that a lot of people, this is important for us to understand too, a lot of people don't believe that you just die and then that's, that's the end, okay? You go in Asia and there are, millions of billions of people who believe that when you die, you'll be reincarnated and come back, hopefully a, up, a step up the ladder next time. Okay? And if you mess up that time, it's all right, try to do better, and, and next time you'll go a step up the ladder again. And then you come back the next time, and hopefully you did good in this life, and you can go up a little bit higher. Nirvana. That's it. Eternal bliss. Okay? That's a lie from the pit of hell. What does the Bible say in Hebrews? It's appointed for man to die how many times? Once, and then what happens? Judgment. It's a, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Same thing with purgatory. A lie from the pit of hell. You die, and if you're not good enough, you go to purgatory, you get cleaned up for a little while, then you come in into glory. A lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie. You don't get another chance after death. You don't get to be sanctified and then you go, no. You don't get to come back and try it again. Uh-uh. Go ahead. Okay. I want to go to another text here. Go to, go to Acts 14. Because, some, listen, something, and I'm going to get, get this in a second, something monumental happens with the coming of Christ into the world. History changes forever. Redemptive history changes just in terms of he's, here He is. He has come with the Old Testament is looking forward to, 
all the promises, Christ comes and things are different now. Why? Because He is the object of all saving faith. Okay? But I want to show you a couple things here just in light of that. Go, Acts 14, 16. Let me just read this to you. Acts 14, 16. Paul here, he's, he's, he's preaching, he's talking here. And, and Acts 14, verse 16. I'll, I'll, I'll read 15. He's, uh, he's here preaching in uh, Lystra. He says, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Now listen, in past generations... He allowed the nations to walk in their own ways. Okay? So Paul is saying, you got to turn from these idols and you need to serve the true and living God now in light of Christ and what He's done. But what, what was God doing before Christ came? With the, with the world. The world was populated. Right? The world, the world people all over it. What was He doing? He was letting them walk in their own way. Letting them walk in their own sinfulness. Looking over them. Letting them, he was giving them over to their own lust. Giving them over to their own desires. God let the nations walk in their own way. And then when Christ comes into the world, everything changes. Now, God is not letting the nations walk in their own way. Now He's extending His hand to them, saying, here's my Son. Here's my Son. He's, he is the answer. I put Him forth. It's a propitiation for sin. You need to trust in Him. Look to the Son and be saved. Here He is. Brethren, he, he, God let the nations walk in darkness. But now with the coming of Christ, and the Spirit's been poured out, and now the church is being built. And now, the, and now we, are, we are commissioned to now go out and go get the nations. Go get them. Why? Because Christ has come. He's here. Paul, Paul says something very similar in Acts 17. Turn to Acts 17. Look at uh, verses 30 and 31. Someone read that. Uh, 17, sorry. Paul's preaching the Aragopagus in Athens. 30 and 31. God allowed the nations to walk in their own ways. Okay? There was a time of ignorance where the nations were just given over. They didn't know of Christ. Christ hadn't come. Right? No. No. They were walking in their own ways. The, the Israel was. And God is saving Gentiles here and there. And yes, we have the promises in the Old Testament of what God's going to do. 
right? No, God let the nations walk in their own way. Okay? The times of ignorance, God overlooked. And now, overlooked does not mean he sweeps it under the rug and says, oh, it's okay, you guys walked in sin, no big deal. No, we, no, that's not true, right? Okay, the nations are under sin, they're being judged. The, Am the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Hivites, all of them, they're all being judged, okay? But, 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 what, the times of ignorance, okay, they were, God was overlooking the nations. But, but what? But now. Something's changed. Paul says, but now, now, in light of, of, of the person and work of Jesus Christ, now God commands all people everywhere to repent. Brethren, God has been good and gracious now to extend His hand to the nations, to bring them into the kingdom through Christ, through His servants going out into the world saying, He is the object of all saving faith. He's the resurrected one. He's the ascended one. He's the king. You've got to believe in Him. He's come. You see the difference there? Brother, we ought, you ought to thank God that you're born now. He praise the Lord for that. I was going to say that. All right. The Lord let God let the nations walk in their own ways. But what happens, what happens when all these, well, they're all dead now. What happened to them? They're perishing. They're perishing. There, sorry, I shouldn't use that word again. <laughs> yes, yes. But now, in light of the work of Christ, the Son of God has come into the world. Now everything's different. Everything. The, brethren, the gates are wide open. Christ has, has, has come and He's shed His blood and He's purchased the people from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. He's come, he's come to save the world. Now the nations are His inheritance. And now all people everywhere are commanded to repent, turn to the Son, and be saved. Monumental, brethren. Monumental. And of course, right? The well, sister. Sister, yes, but yeah, but you know what? When it's all said and done, Louise, there's gonna be a whole lot more people in glory than there are in the pit of hell. You gotta believe that. Oh, they say the gates are narrow and... oh, the gates narrow, but the people are many. Yes, Christ will have victory. Good, that's right. Amen. There will be far more. There will be far more people people in glory than there are in hell. Part of this is like Bible 101 for kindergartners. But no, but but listen. No, this is this this is simple. But it's profound. That was a, that's the whole point of the study. A basic truth that you guys all, already all know. But I just, I'm trying to open it up a little bit for us. Everything has changed with the coming of Christ. Let's go to Acts 4.12. I got just a couple more here, then we'll be done. There's been good discussion here too, brethren. It's always really encouraging. Acts 4.12. Peter. He's there and he's preaching to the council. Preaching to the to the ones in, in authority here. Someone read Acts 4.12. Great passage here. Need to memorize it. Let me get a reader here. Jessica, what, you want to read? <laughs> she says, you think you're there quiet. 
Oh, oh, I thought you were looking up the, sorry. I thought you were going to the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are some important phrases in that in that verse? What is what is Peter telling those in authority here? Yeah, there's salvation in no one else, right? Yeah, no other name given. No other. Uh, what does it say? Yeah, no other name under what? Under heaven, brother. That covers everything. It's not just no other name among Jews. Not just no other name among you Christians in the West. No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's a simple verse to understand. But again, there is no other name under heaven. That's the only one. Acts 10.43 says, Everyone who believes in Him, that's Christ, receives forgiveness of sins through His name. So there, you got to believe. Okay, It's not just, okay, yeah, again, salvation and no other name. Oh yeah, we agree with that. But no, you need, what do you need to do to the name? What, what does the Bible say? And I'm fishing here for something. What do you have to do to the name? Yes. Exactly. That, that, that got me encouraged, brother. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Brother, the name does you no good if you don't call upon it. Right? That's, that's there. You can just go over there. Romans 10. Because we're going we're gonna to end over here. Romans 10. Got to call upon the name. Uh, Sergio, you, why don't you read uh, verses uh, 11 uh, through 17. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in the name will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his gifts on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay, verse 11 says, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, or Gentile, right? Between the Jews and the nations. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who what? Call upon Him, okay? So Christ has been put forward. He's the provision of salvation. He's, been, he's, been, he's the one who provides this. And there's no distinction whether you're a Jew or whether you are a Gentile, a Greek, the same Lord is Lord of all. He's the means. He's the provision. 
And whoever calls upon him will be saved. Brother, you got to call upon the name. It does you no good to say, there's only one name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. And you don't believe, you got to call upon the name. You got to hear the name, and that's and 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 then that's 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 what Paul talks about here. Now listen, um, there's different ways to understand this passage here, uh, but the the point and the principle is the same. Okay, if you need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, what does Paul say in in, in verse fourteen? How then starts the reason here? How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? Okay, so how are you going to call on the one you don't believe in? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? Brethren, let me ask you a question. If you've got to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, and you've never heard of the name of the Lord, how are you going to be saved? Answer that question. Exactly. You see what he's saying here? The provision of Christ has been provided for Jew and Gentile. And then he starts with these questions here. How are they going to believe in him of whom they've never heard? You have to that that's gotta that, that's gotta ring in the heart, brethren. How is anyone going whether whether Jew or Gentile? Okay? How are you going to believe in Him of whom you've never heard? Louise? Exactly. You can't. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So, how is someone going to hear of Christ in order to call upon His name? What's, what has to happen? So, someone's got to tell them. What did what, what, you say? Someone's got to tell them. Proclamation. S something has to happen. You got to tell the person. I remember when I remember the first time I, I ever met someone who had never heard of Jesus before. Um, she had then, but just a month before it, it blew me away. I, I was in China um, uh, before I was married. Um, the first time I ever went there, I went to went to a house church. Uh, it was like an urban house church, so it wasn't in a house. It was in like a, like the back of like, in the back room of some hotel, like shanty little place. I don't know, whatever. It was, but it was, but it was, it was actually really cool, really encouraging. And I, I met this girl. She wasn't a Christian, university student, and she told me in her good English that she had just heard of Christ about a month ago. Never heard of Jesus in her entire life. Huh? You ever heard of Jesus? You're like 22 years old. You're in college. You never heard of Jesus ever? No, never heard of him. Until my friend who's a Christian told me, and I'm here at this church now. Huh, interesting. This blows me away, brethren. But there's millions, and if you, some estimations, billions of people, maybe who have never heard of Jesus Christ, or... They don't have access to the truth that we have. So, for instance, like Muslims, right? They, they've certainly heard the name of Jesus, but they don't, they don't know and never heard of a true gospel. You follow me? Some people don't even know of Him, never heard of Him. Let me ask you the question again. How are they going to call upon the name of the Lord? 
the only means, the only mediator, the one put forward, the one who's come to take away the sin of the world, the one who's through his resurrection gives life. How are they going to believe in him if they've never heard of him? They can't. And I want this to encourage you because this is the means by which God saves people. Someone telling someone that, communicating. And even though you may not know everything and you may know very little, but you know something. You know something of the mercy of God. You know something, brethren. And is God not more powerful than our shortcomings and failures and our stuttering? And, brethren, if God can use Moses, who is not a man of eloquent speech, and if He could use guys like Jeremiah, who didn't speak well, brother, he, he, God can use, and He will use, and that's the means by which He uses. People gotta, we, we, we got to share. We've got to talk about this. We need to open up our mouth because people are not going to hear. And sometimes, brethren, we've got to go. We've got to support men who do go and women who do go and families that do go. Because people aren't going to be saved in Nepal. People, these Syrian refugees aren't going to be saved unless someone tells them the gospel. And we support a man who is doing that there. Amen? These, these people in Myanmar, these refugees who are up in the, up in the woods, aren't going to be saved unless someone tells them. And there's people there that could tell them. And there's people in Indonesia who are, Dave and Tigra are trying to go tell, and so on and so forth. In Nepal, same thing. That's got to stir our heart, brethren. God commissions us as His church to be the means by which all this comes about. And not anyone special. You and me and you and you and you and you and you. We're the means by which, brethren, God, God saves people. He's not, he, he doesn't save anyone apart from hearing the gospel of Christ. Salvation does not come. I want to leave you with this. Charles Hodge. He's on that, he's on that bookshelf somewhere. Oh, he's down there, I see him. Charles Hodge um, lived in the 1700s. Has a three-volume systematic theology. Pretty popular today. He says this. I want to end us here. He says, in his commentary on Romans 10, he says, The solemn question implied in the language of the apostle, talking about Romans 10 right here, is this, How can they believe without a preacher? This should sound day and night in the ears of the churches. How can they believe without a preacher? How could they believe in him of whom they've never heard? Brethren, I want that to encourage us, to stir us up, that Christ is the universal 
means of the world by which men have forgiveness of sins. There's no other name. None. But they got to call upon the name. And for them to call upon the name, they have to hear of the name. And if they're going to hear of the name, Lydia, what do we got to do? Yes, that's right. Tell them. We got, we got to speak forth the gospel. We got to go. We got to support men that go. We got to, got to open up our mouth, brethren. And you know what? I'm telling you right now, the Lord will honor it. Because He has. He already has, brethren. The Lord has honored that in this church. And He'll continue to do it so long as we're faithful to do it. We need to plead in prayer. Lord, You said people can't be saved apart from this. Lord, we're out here. We're doing this. Lord, I shared with this person. Lord, please. They're dead in sin. Open up their eyes through the message of Christ. We need to, we need to plead in prayer, brethren, for more opportunities. Yes, here with your neighbor, with your family, and continue to press on and bring these things to the Lord. Lord, you said this. And Lord, we've been doing this. So Lord, please answer. That's order and argument in prayer, is it not? It most certainly is. So let's go ahead and pray, brethren.